You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to another mailbag edition of the Chris and Joe Show. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum here on the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by Big Blue View and SB Nation. We haven't done a mailbag episode in, I think, over a month now because we decided to transition more so to talking about the roster, analyzing things that way, and also there are only so many questions that you can truly have during this period. Now that the season is starting back up, we're getting close, we anticipate that training camp is supposed to start in the next few weeks, barring any unexpected unexpected circumstances through the negotiations with the NFLPA and the NFL. If that does start up soon, we assume that you as listeners and fans still have questions, and we have five wonderful questions that we are going to be answering today that were sent into us via email or message on uh, Facebook. If you do ever want to send us a question, you can Tweeted us at Joe DeLeon or at Raptor MKII. You can send it into our Facebook, just Big Blue View, or you can email it to us, BigBlueView at gmail.com. Those are also the Instagram, too, is another option, which is at Big underscore Blue underscore View. All those are available options to you. If you have something that you're just a little bit unsure about, feel free to send it in. The one thing I will say, we got a lot of questions about whether or not the season will start or, our, or what we think the chances are of it starting. I just want to get this out of the way now. We we don't know. And it's not that we are not following it closely enough, but even the people in the negotiations don't really fully know that information. They don't, they don't know what's going to be the result of what's going on right now. Anything can change on any given day. And it seems like the NFLPA is trying to get the best interest of the players to properly protect them. So right now, we're unsure if anything does change. Uh, Our show or Ed will probably discuss it and talk about the the potential impacts that it has on the Giants' season. Well, Chris, let's get into this first question that we have, which is a fun one, one that we've kind of indirectly hinted at with these various position previews. This question is from Jackson Hatfield. He wants to know, if you had to pick one player to be an unexpected breakout candidate for the Giants, who would it be? I think I'm going to go with Julian Love on the defense. I think there could be plenty of opportunities for breakout players, breakout performances on the offense. I would definitely say Caden Smith could be one, or Evan Ingram, just based on how Jason Garrett likes to use the tight end position. But I'm going to go with Julian Love because we saw that he has very good ball skills. He's got a season as a more or less safety under his belt. He's 
pretty much transitioned and I have a feeling just kind of what we what little we know about Patrick Graham's defense the Giants are going to play a lot of sub packages they're going to mix and match mix and match personnel and I think that could put love in some really good positions to make a lot of splash plays to really put those ball skills to use both as maybe a slot defender uh, a nickel corner a nickel safety maybe free safety you know we we could see him all over the field and we could also see him rushing into the backfield as a blitzer so i think just all of those he's going to have opportunities and i think he could be a good a good candidate to take advantage of those opportunities i'm a big fan of julian love as well but for me i have to go with the most unexpected guy someone who i have talked up a tremendous amount, that being O'Shane Zimenez. The reason why I think he is the perfect unexpected breakout candidate is because he saw so many limited reps in his first year, and when he was out there, he was able to be highly productive with those opportunities. He, he racked up, I believe, four and a half sacks. He was able to make plays. Now we might get to see next season what he's fully capable of in his second year with a potentially increased Role. The other thing, too, that uh, this isn't like a, a valid reason, but I was a little intrigued on, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this or not, Chris, uh, a interaction with him between him and O.C. Umanura saying that they were going to train together. So maybe we could get uh, some some input from O.C. and to help improve O'Shane with some of his pass rushing techniques. But I think both are just tremendous, uh, unexpected second year breakout candidates that had strong first years, but not really a, a ton of on-field experience. Yeah, I, I did see that. And yeah, if O.C. could maybe teach Zimenez how to time the snap like he, O.C., used to be able to do, and also that tomahawk chop as he came around the edge to separate quarterback from ball, that would be excellent. Like If he, if he could just learn those two things, that would be great. Oh, 100%. Uh, next question that we have from Sean Anderson – Love talking about the NFL draft, so this is a favorite question of mine. He wants to know, what offensive and defensive prospects should the Giants pay attention to for the 2021 NFL draft class? So for me, already looking at this class and from what I, you know, interacting with people and talking to them about it, it seems like a linebacker is pretty strong and wide receiver, again, is very strong, which is a, a big priority for this Giants team. They need to address linebacker and corner they need to or not corner uh and and wide receiver those are the two biggest issues for me I feel like right now for this this Giants team someone like Micah Parsons from Penn State who we already referenced Jabril Cox uh, the North Dakota State and now LSU linebacker I think are they're both very very talented athletic linebackers and then as far as receivers that catch my eye Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle and also keep an eye out for Rashad Bateman from Minnesota yeah that is a really, you know, again, another really strong wide receiver class. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those two receivers from LSU or Alabama. Again, you know, weren't we just saying that a couple months ago? Micah Parsons, it, you know, he's not Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, he's a little bit different type of linebacker. He's not an industrial size safety. He's a little bit more of a traditional linebacker, at least in build and the way Penn State has used him. I would love to see him in Giants blue. And 
Okay, uh, Jabril Cox, he's a guy, you know, tr- like you said, transferring from North Dakota State to LSU. And I I think he his is going to be a name a lot of people are going to be saying, taking note of as the draft gets closer because he is athletic, he is an instinctive, he is already one of the probably one of the best linebackers in the country and he has room to get better. 100% uh, watching and covering the FCS football um, level, I got to see Cox in a number of different games and analyze what he's capable of doing. So he is very, very talented as well as Parsons. Those are the two guys that I'm paying the most attention to because this receiver class is very deep, almost as deep as last year's. Some are saying maybe more deep. So you can wait until the second round to grab a guy like Devonta Smith uh, as an available receiver for the Giants. We've got three more questions before we get to them. We're just going to take a really quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Next question from Devin Patterson. Could the Giants still trade for Yannick Ngakwe sometime this season? So from what I have seen on Twitter and from latest reports, the situation with Ngakwe, the reason why he hasn't been traded is that they're trying to take his their time with moving him. The goal with Ngakwe is that he's trying to negotiate a new contract with whatever team he is being sent to. So he doesn't want to get traded somewhere and not have a contract in place. He wants to go somewhere that he can stay long-term and have that set up, worked out ahead of time, and be completely situated for the future with the team. He's also apparently willing to play under the 17 or so million dollar uh, franchise tag if they're able to send him somewhere. But in the meantime, it's just going to be a a waiting game uh, if the Giants want to make a move for him. They're going to have to work out a long-term deal. deal. They'll probably have to not clear up any cap space, but it's not going to be cheap to keep Ngakwe. No, uh, it also won't be cheap to acquire him if they are able to engineer a trade. Jacksonville is going to want to be compensated for him in and above whatever you wind up having to pay him. You know, they're going to want probably a good player in return and a high draft pick. So hopefully if the Giants are able to work that trade, they're able to maybe make it a day two pick and not a first round pick. An idea that kind of percolated and was kind of floating around back when the trade rumors first started. Perhaps the Giants could move Leonard Williams to the Jaguars because the Jags, they 
they are kind of lacking ever since uh, the departure of Clayus Campbell. They are kind of lacking at the defensive tackle position. And he would be a good fit in their scheme. And at least salary-wise, that would be kind of a, uh, maybe not a perfect one-to-one swap, but if they could take the 16 plus million dollars they're paying Leonard Williams this year, that would give them the plenty of room to sign. <clears throat> sorry. That would give them plenty of room to sign Yannick Ngakwe to a, the kind of contract he's looking for. That is the, the one thing I feel stands in the way of having this trade go through is because of, the amount of draft stock or equivalent players on the Giants roster they'd need to move to go get a player like Yannick Ngakwe. I'm still not opposed from it. If you can work out a deal, Yannick Ngakwe is a very talented, underrated pass rusher, and he would be an instant upgrade as an edge defender for this Giants roster. So if there's a way to work it out, it's not going to be easy. I would not be surprised if the Giants are one of the teams that are currently in discussions for this and also would not be surprised if they haven't even picked up the phone about Yannick Ngakwe at all. Next question, Chris, from Tyler Irvin. Who do you predict will be the Giants' best defensive player at the end of the season? If I were to pitch two guys, Chris, it'd have to be Dexter Lawrence or Blake Martinez. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think it's possible Dexter Lawrence makes that jump. I mean, obviously I'm going to say Dalvin Tomlinson because oh, okay. <laughs> I, I have to maintain my yeah <laughs> my status as his, you know, number one fan. Also, just given how not flashy his game is, I have to you know, I I feel like I kind of, kind of constantly have to remind Giants fans just how good he is and to not take him for granted. Now, if I were to go, uh, go to a second one, I you know, I think we could. I think that could maybe wind up being uh, James Bradbury, their free agent cornerback they just signed. Simply because, a, we don't know what's going on elsewhere in the cornerback position room, quarterback cornerback meeting room. Sorry, and also, you know, he was signed to be a much needed upgrade to their to the Giants secondary and as much as Patrick Graham likes to blitz and he likes to run man coverage that would put a lot of pressure on the secondary and and if Bradbury can step up and he can play up to those demands that could be huge for the defense if I had to go with someone though like I said I'm a big fan of Dexter Lawrence taking a huge step in year two if he doesn't Blake Martinez is going to be productive enough to rack up 150 tackles, be that top-level linebacker in the middle that they've been missing out on. I can see some extreme production from Martinez because he will be able to clean up some of the other uh, maybe misses and and, and missed plays um, from other linebackers or, or young defensive backs. Next question, Chris, from Carl Morgan. He wants to know what will be a way to measure Daniel Jones's progression if the Giants have a bad year. I would say you would have to more or less look at how he plays the game. I'm not going to say, you know, it's not whether you win or lose because, you know, this is the NFL winning winning or losing are important and can and will 
either get people or cost people jobs. But I would say how well he adapts to the new scheme, how well Jones uh, gets through his progression reads, uh, whether or not he is able to fix his tendency to kind of stare receivers down, uh, if he can not hold on to the ball quite as long. You know, even if he, or I should put it this way, if his time to throw is about the same as it was last year, I would actually count that as a as an improvement because Jason Garrett tends to run a little bit more of a slow, longer developing offense. So if he's getting rid of the ball in 2.8 seconds, you know, which is about what he did last year, that's actually getting through and playing faster. So things like that and maybe being more consistently on target, especially on his throws down the field, I think that is how I would measure improvement for him if we don't necessarily see it in wins and losses. I agree with all of the stuff that you pointed out, but I want to take it just a little bit simpler. Uh, not saying that your answer wasn't good, but what the way I'm looking at it, the base level of progression at the bare minimum, if he can lower at a, a decent clip the amount of turnovers that he had in his first year into the second year, and all the stuff you pointed out contributes to that, but if, if he doesn't force the ball as much into places where it doesn't really belong, where he's trying to be a little bit too aggressive and maybe doesn't make the right read or is properly securing the football when he's taking contact from defenders. If he can lower the turnover number he had last year down by just a, a decent amount, I think that is a pretty good progression for Daniel Jones because he did a lot of incredible things in that first year. If he can just clean up holding onto the ball more, not giving the ball away, that will be uh, very, very key for his progression. Chris, last question from a BBV contributor, Nick Filato. He wants to know if you could take any animal and scale it up to the size of a Clydesdale, what animal would you choose? Okay, I can tell you what animal I would not choose, and that would be a chihuahua. Because (laughs) there's a joke that if chihuahuas were the size of Great Danes, there would be bodies in the street. And let's face it, a Clydesdale-sized chihuahua is the one thing that 2020 just does not need. So I I would actually, and I actually put some thought into this, I would say a sugar glider. You know, tiny little flying squirrel-like marsupials, they are just aggressively cute. They they basically just eat nectar and sugar, so... We wouldn't have Clydesdale-sized predators running around. And at least from what I know about them, they are intelligent for tiny marsupials and also very sociable and very – they form close bonds. So I figure if you're taking a smaller than a Clydesdale animal and making it that big, it should be something you want to actually have around – and you know, I, I don't know how many of our listeners have ever actually seen a Clydesdale in person. They are massive. <laughs> if, if I was to go with an animal, I would probably pick... I, I'm not going to go too specific. I think any type of uh, house-trained dog, I think, would be very entertaining. I don't know why I'm always attracted to... Not attracted is not the right word, but entertained easily by videos and pictures of obnoxiously large dogs. Now, if we had a dog that was 
as big as a Clydesdale, I think that would be quite entertaining. Now, having to own that dog and train it, I probably would not want to do, but being able to see a dog that large, yes, that would be quite entertaining. Oh, yeah. I, I am... I'm sure our listeners, especially the ones who have interacted with me, know I am very much a dog person. I would uh, something like a Labrador that size, or yeah, you know, a Jack Russell that size could be hilarious. <laughs> you know, corgis have a ton of oh a yes, ton, a, a ton of personality. Uh, just selfishly, if Harley was that size, that would be great. I wouldn't have to walk him anymore. I could just ride him. Mm. You know, cleaning up after him might be a bit of a pain, but. Uh, pain's an understatement. <laughs> that, that, that's what diapers are for. Exactly. All right, that's going to be it for this mailbag episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening to us and also follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII, and at Big Blue View. Also, send in questions next time uh, for our next mailbag show at the end of next week. <laughs>